Having completed my philosophy of language episodes and now looking back on my contemplation on why God hates the poor, I believe I have done as well as possible on this contemplation given the limitations presented by language and of the podcast medium. I am trying to contemplate an existentialist question of which I should be silent since we cannot speak about it using words that are defined by their usefulness. Thus, inconsistency and ambiguity is unavoidable. Hopefully, as I also discussed, by working through the inconsistency, by using creativity and imagination, and using some honest fiction and analogy, one can reach truth that can be communicated in some imperfect sense. I now understand why one of my philosophy professors in college told me that consistency is the sign of a shallow mind. This working through the inconsistency is just that, work, hard work. Which brings me to my last question on this issue. Is it worth the work? Does the answer as to why God hates the poor matter? Not really, at least not for most of the time and not for most of the uh, vast majority of humanity. The answer is an answer to the question, but not a solution for it. For those involved in the card game of life, especially the poor and working class, who are barely surviving it, and who always will be barely surviving it in relative terms, which are the only terms that matter, concentrating on the cards, bets, movements, and expressions of the other players is what is much more important if you want to live, or even if you just want to stay in the game, than questioning the game. The I am and its existentialist implications of I think and I want in this game are the only absolute rational certainties one has in the one life we are given. There is no existentialist basis for any power in the universe to say that anyone ought not to play the game or that they ought not to play the game to win, though there are many powers who will force players not to do so. The powers that be certainly play to win. There is no reason why the poor and workers should not also play to win. The game called by the dealer is the game called. No player can do anything about it. That is how most players would see it, and rightly so, if they want to stay in the game and have any hope of winning it. The answer only matters in those few moments when workers get some free time between hands to contemplate the game and to contemplate why they are in it and whether they want to stay in it or what they would call as the game if they were the dealer and had the power to call a different game. The two options of trying to leave the game or of trying to become the dealer and call a different game are very closely related and are essentially two two sides of the same coin. These two options are closely related. Leaving the game through nihilism or suicide is simple enough physically, but not existentially. As pointed out before, All existentialist writers reach the edge of this abyss, look down, and then back off. They not only reject suicide, but but also nihilism, which they see as eventually leading to both individual suicide physically or spiritually, or both, and suicide for humanity. Existentialists want humanity to survive. Despite their complaints about the dealer and the game called, they continue to want the game to be called and continue to want to play in the game. Not much can be done about the suicide option. In my experience, those who talk or threaten suicide never do it. Those who can do it, do it. Making nothing out of something is the closest a human can be to becoming God. So I understand the temptation. A temptation to be God, especially if you can take someone else with you, is a powerful one. 
But becoming a god by suicide, with or without homicide, is not honest nihilism. Neither is trying to control the game by becoming the dealer. Trying to be God is giving in to God. Honest nihilism rejects the game and the dealer, but does not reject the truth of the game, that it exists and it has rules. The moment a nihilist or any person states there is no truth, they have just contradicted themselves and proven there is truth. An honest nihilist admits such truth and deals with the remaining problem of meaning. A nihilist, an honest one, does not waste time on the bravado of denying truth. This is a subtle but important difference. Some men just want to watch the world burn. That is the popular view of a nihilist, even by existentialists and most artists, and is the popular commercial view. Another view is that of the self-destructive loner or outsider, alienated, alienated from society, waiting for the day he can pour gasoline all over his body and light it up. This conception of denialist is probably accurate for, for example, many artists who pretend to be nihilists, or even for the Russian school of nihilism, which is one of the reasons that cultural conflagration of Western and Eastern culture is such a mess. This is not honest nihilism. God is random arbitrary power. Becoming a random arbitrary power yourself is only copying God and admitting defeat. These pretend nihilists are really hedonists who enjoy playing God. They deny both truth and meaning and thus are tools for the powers that be who accept truth to create meaning for their lives than to force it upon everyone else as God chose them to do. Honest nihilism and an honest nihilist sees God as he is, accepts that he is the dealer and that we are playing whatever game this dealer called and playing it for no reason. We are playing it just because God wants it played. But then comes the choice. Do we accept this destiny or fight against it? Do we accept a fight we are destined to lose or accept God as he is? The honest nihilist accepts the first option of a fight to give order reason and meaning to a random, arbitrary, and meaningless universe, knowing that the battle eventually will be lost to an almighty but arbitrary and random God. The latter option is for the religious, including for the secular religious, who worship law, science, or whatever the latest fad, demigod may be. An honest nihilist does not hide behind such cowardly delusions or other delusions such as atheism, agnosticism, humanism, or any other attempt to hide the nature of reality. He does not become a court jester such as a Bill Maher, John Stewart, Tai Chi Coates, or any of the thousands of other pundits in modern media who get rich sitting in the stands and critiquing the gladiators as they fight and commenting on their strategy, tactics, or technique from the comfort of their seats. A nihilist, an honest one, should be in the ring as a gladiator. These choices sound nice in words, but I doubt if they are choices in reality. Just as with the poor, God is probably predestined who will make what choices, but such should not matter to a true, true honest nihilist. It is just one more rule to battle against without hope of winning, just for the smell of battle. I leave you with the words of someone I consider to be an honest nihilist, Theodore Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, 
who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat.